0: I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Tuesday evening as I record this, and um, not too much going on in Hawksland as I record here. It's been very, very quiet on the free agency front, which we'll definitely spend some time on later on in the podcast. But the one bit of news that actually did happen on Tuesday, or earlier in the day, was that the Hawks announced formally their Summer League roster, and that will allow us to, uh, I guess, preview Summer League a little bit here on today's show and we'll get. I will. I will promise to get into free agency a little bit later. But the first part of this podcast will be about summer league because it's going to be coming fast and furious. The uh, Las Vegas summer league begins on Friday, and in fact, Utah and California summer leagues are already going on right now, which has been kind of crazy to watch. <laughs> There's been real live basketball on, not great basketball necessarily, but Monday night, Tuesday night, there was actual there was actual basketball on my television, which was nice in some ways. But the Hawks will be in action on Saturday when they actually kick things off. They they, they were at least given the grace period of, t- of having Friday off. Um, I'm not sure if that was intentional or not by the league, but maybe just a happy coincidence in some ways as, they, as the Hawks are awaiting DeAndre Hunter and Bruno Fernando to actually be available on the roster. Considering the trades that were uh, executed in, in and around the draft, those guys are not technically on the roster as of this moment. And as a result of that, neither Hunter or Fernando was announced as part of the Summer League roster, although those guys are definitely expected to arrive at some point, perhaps as early as the opener or maybe even Sunday's game against against Minnesota. In the meantime, though, oh, and one more note I should say to emphasize, I know I've said this a number of times, but Cam Reddish is not expected to play. The number 10 overall pick is out for uh, Summer League as a result of a core muscle injury. No long-term issues uh, on that in terms of what, what what everyone was told on draft night. Both by Reddish and by Travis Schlank. so just uh, a summer league absence. A lot. What happened to Kevin Herder last year? He was drafted with this expectation to not play in Las Vegas, and that is going to happen here. Um, elsewhere, though, the actual roster does have some interesting players on it beyond Hunter and Fernando, who are not who are not there quite yet. There are at least three players um, that are uh, NBA relevant for the Hawks aside from Hunter and Fernando. And uh, number one on that list is definitely Amari Spellman, the uh, number 30 overall pick last year in the draft who played about half the season this year, had some injury issues and did did make some starts. And Spellman's a talented guy on the offensive end of the floor, particularly. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how how he looks in Las Vegas. You might remember that last year I was kind of ranting and raving about how John Collins didn't need to be there, but there was some uh, equity in having Collins play with Troy Young this year. There's no Troy Young to speak of obviously, but Mars Spellman, it would be good if he looked the part of someone who is overqualified to be in Las Vegas. That's probably the best thing I can say about Spellman here is that he looks too good to be there and we'll see how he looks uh, early on, but also, you know, always have to monitor Spellman's body. There were some weight concerns last season and we'll see how he looks when he is uh, on the floor in Vegas, but he is easily the Hawks' best player at least until uh, 150. Hunter and Fernando arrive, and the most relevant player to have Hawks fans keep an eye on. So a big summer league in some ways for Spellman. If he struggles a little bit, it's not the biggest deal in the world because of the fact that it's summer league. It doesn't really matter, but it would be nice if he looked the part of a future piece uh, in that setting. Um, Elsewhere, Jalen Adams and Charlie Brown will be there. Jalen Adams is, of course, under contract for this season for the Hawks. He is non-guaranteed. So there is some lingering uh, doubt as to whether he'll be on the opening night roster, but Adams was a two-way contract last year, uh, second year guard now from Saint Monaventure, a talented offensive player, great shooter at the college level and made shots last year at times. Um, we'll see how he looks here. He's obviously the team's uh, number one point guard in this setting, but uh, you know that, so he he'll, he'll have the ball in his hands quite a bit and uh, just like Spellman in some ways, it'd be good to see Adams look good in this setting because guards are usually the guys who end up looking good in summer League. Uh, Charlie Brown, we, we talked about him a couple weeks ago when this news broke, but uh, he was signed officially earlier in the week um, to be the team's two, first two-way contract. The Hawks do have two slots. Brown will take one of them. The, the second slot is still open at this point in time. Last year, the Hawks rolled with Joan Adams and Alex Poitras. Adams ended up being promoted uh, midseason to the big league roster full-time. But Brown, at this point on a two-way contract, will have up to 45 days with the big league club and we'll see how he looks. He's definitely a 3 and D archetype kind of guy. I've watched him a little bit more since that uh, two-way contract was added to the books, and he's interesting. He's definitely a talented guy, has a nice jump shot, and that's, you know, he sort of fits the uh, the box of what I would always talk about guys to take flyers on. That's that 3 and D wing with, with enough length to be potent. Uh, it may not work, but that's something that the Hawks have been good at doing, is just taking looks on guys that could become functional NBA role players in the future, and he checks that box in the setting. Uh, that, that That is it in terms of the guys who have uh, natural paths to playing time or, or, or at least making even the roster for the Hawks this year. They are joined though by some interesting college names that you might, that you might recognize if you were a fan of the college game. Uh, Landon Lucas, a big man from Kansas, is on the list. Matt Mooney from Texas Tech who played alongside Jared Culver this year and was probably the second best player, maybe the th- third best player on that team. I think Mooney is probably going to be slated for a long-term career in Europe but still a guy who is uh, who should look good in the setting. Um, also uh, Reed Travis from Kentucky. Someone I think is pretty interesting, a former Top 50 recruit that was uh, certainly a big-time get for Kentucky after transferring from Stanford. Uh, Nick Ward from Michigan State's a recognizable face. I'm not sure he's an NBA player, but a big physical guy who can rebound and run the floor a little bit. Um, Lesser-known guys, oh, there was one more player that I want to reference, and that's Jordan Seibert. You might remember last year he was briefly on the Hawks roster on a 10-day contract, so they they bring him back here. He's that uh, sort of shooting guard type from Dayton. Elsewhere, uh, some lower level in terms of uh, recon- rec- recognition, I should say, um, Tajir McCall from Tennessee State that played last year with the Long Island Nets in the G League a little bit. Uh, I, b- I believe it's um Amin Noir um, from Asville in France. He played alongside Alpha Caba, who who's not on the team this year. Worth pointing that out as well. And then uh, Thomas Wimbush from Fairmont State, who also played in the G League last season with Long Island Nets. So, you know, this is a short roster in some ways, particularly without Hunter Fernando. If those guys can't play in the first game, the Hawks will only have 11 players, which is a pretty short bench in a sub-league setting, considering all of the uh, rotations that are often played in that spot. But once those guys arrive, they'll have 13. That's plenty to function with, um, barring injury, that'll be just fine. And, you know, in terms of the guys who to, who, uh, to monitor just real quickly, I would definitely say Adams, Brown, and Spellman are the, are the top three before Hunter Fernando get there. Obviously, the two guys from this year's draft will take precedent in some ways, but the three guys I would refer, I would reference as a sort of potential core pieces moving forward. Hunter, Fernando, and Spellman are the guys to watch out for, and particularly want to see Spellman and Fernando function together. Spellman, one of the big questions with him that I have with Amari is that it's kind of what he's going to be doing in terms of role this season. I think Spellman's someone who they can use at center. We, we talked about that a little bit, but also his perimeter shooting sort of helps to unlock a little bit of versatility in his game. So we'll see how he looks alongside a legitimate NBA big as well in Bruno Fernando. So plenty of time to talk. About summer league guys, and uh, as as the games happen, I will have recap podcasts as usual on this feed. But I wanted to get out there and preview a little bit of what to expect. Schedule wise, things are going to be a little bit different this time around. The Hawks have four pre scheduled games, um, one of which, I guess, the first game is Saturday, July 6th against Milwaukee, then they play Sunday, July 7th against uh, Minnesota. Tuesday, July 9th against the Pacers, and then Thursday, July 11th against the Wizards. From there, they are guaranteed to play at least one more game. This year, there are 32 teams in the NBA Summer League versus 30 last year. Team Croatia and Team China are in the mix, so um, you, it's sort of a round robin in that way. And then, so you have four pre-scheduled games, and then the top eight teams after the round robin make it into the tournament. So the Hawks may not make the tournament at all. If they were to make the tournament, though, it becomes a single elimination from there. If they do not make the tournament, they, they will play a consolation game uh, early, I guess, uh, late late in the week, I should say. So they'll guarantee at least five games, at least five opportunities to see these guys play. Would not be a huge surprise if they rested guys once one time. You might remember last that happened last year with Troy Young and John Collins. Got shut down. You know, some someone like Spellman, if he's looking great, might get shut down somewhere along the way. But we'll see how things look. And uh, guaranteed five games, so that's plenty of time to take it take it all in on the uh, Hawks front. And we'll be here to talk about that throughout the process. Um, that's probably enough on summer league for now. You know, unless something changes. Oh, there was one note that I wanted to reference. Phil Koffer from Florida State was supposed to be on the roster, at least according to an announcement, a literal announcement by Florida State basketball on Twitter and their official feed something changed along the way though cuz he's not he's not on the official roster as of now for the Hawks. Not sure what the background is there, but that was about as official. Sometimes you get guys that are reported by other outlets. Um you know, for instance Matt Mooney was reported Reed Travis was, was reported ahead of time. Um those came to, those came to pass, but um Phil Cofer was actually formally announced by Florida State's official account, and uh, that, that ended up not happening. So I'm not really sure what happened there, but we'll see what happens. Um, I guess he could pop up somewhere else or I'll even join the Hawks later on because Summer League rosters are sometimes fluid. But for now, 11 guys projected to be 13 by the time um, you know the weekend arrives or so in Las Vegas, and we'll keep you abreast of how that's all happening. I will be on the ground in Las Vegas all the way through to talk to these players and also cover games in person, write about them, and to talk about them on this on this podcast. So stay tuned for that. Please subscribe to the podcast, all that fun stuff. All right, after after a short break, we'll come back, talk about free agency and the general state of things for the Hawks here in early July. All right, and we're backed. And uh, for the record, it's about 9.05 p.m. Eastern time as I talk to you on Tuesday evening. So, uh, you know, in the middle of free agency, anything, anything can change on a dime. And if I'm somehow asleep and don't record this before, before record this again before the morning, that is the context involved in what I'm about to say. But free agency has been quiet for the Hawks in a lot of ways. Since our last recording, a lot of the players that Hawks fans have been commonly asking about, a lot of the guys that I wrote about at PeachtreeHoops.com as, as potential targets for the Hawks, in theory, are now off the market. Even today, guys like Willie Cauley-Stein, Noah Vonley, Luke Cornett, Daniel Tice, all signed other places um, relatively cheaply, which is interesting to talk about um, for the Hawks. You know, Max Kleeper signed earlier in the week for a big for a big time contract, etc. A lot of uh, commonly thought of Kyle Quinn now off the market as well. A bunch of players that yeah, I thought would be reasonable fits in Atlanta. Um, so that um, that's sort of the backdrop of this thing to some degree. You know, you know, some Hawks fans are bothered. We'll talk about that in a second. But of the guys that I've been talking about in terms of big men who who could be theoretical fits. Only a few, really, that I would be interested in on real contracts would be uh, Kem Birch, Avika Zubac, and Jermichael Green, who's more of a power forward, but still a nice value, perhaps, if the Clippers um, don't retain him. Could be interesting to uh, sort of buy low a little bit on him. I think he's a pretty talented player. Um, other than that, you have some really, really, really buy low guys like Dragon Bender, who I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to sign, but if you're just standing there at the end of July, he's still available, maybe on a minimum contract. I wouldn't mind that, considering he's still a pretty talented guy, but he was so bad in Phoenix. As people were asking about that. I wanted to know so- if that real quickly. Um, other than that, the big name that is still available is Boogie Cousins, but people keep asking me about Boogie Cousins. I want to talk about him a little bit here on the pod before we get into uh, other stuff. I will say uh, Boogie is obviously a very, very talented offensive player, uh, formerly a 25-point scorer in the NBA. That's, that, guy is not, that kind of guy does not really grow on trees necessarily. In, M- in NBA circles, uh, Cousins is extremely, extremely talented. There's no there's no way around that. He's still fairly young, too. He's 28 years old. He'll be 29 in August. So not someone who you would say is like, why? Up by any means, but Cousins does have a lot of injury history in in the recent past. And defensively, he was okay at times in Sacramento and New Orleans, but in Golden State, he was coming off injury, which is worth noting. But he was a real problem in the playoffs. That's something to keep in mind here. And also the big thing, in addition to health and defense potential, is the just the the personality stuff with Boogie. Boogie has, um, you know. I will say all the reports were really good about him in Golden State um, and the fact that he was just sort of buying into the culture. I, I will say I would have some skepticism about Boogie just in some ways building into a rebuilding culture when he's not the focal point. For instance, he'd have to be um, definitely behind the pecking order, behind Trey Young and John Collins. Uh, and, you know, obviously Donovan Hunter is going to be in the mix too, Cam Reddish. So, you know, it's one of those things where Boogie is a an immense talent. And whenever I'm asked about Boogie, I always assume that it isn't going to be the greatest idea. Because I don't, I don't love the fit necessarily. Offensively, it'd be a lot of fun if you plugged in a prime, healthy Boogie alongside Collins, Young, Carter, um, Hunter, and whoever else. If you want to put 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 him around Boogie, it'd be really really fun because he's an incredibly good passer, a great post player. Um, if he's healthier, you you can see some explosiveness and, and around the around the rim. So. It would obviously work in some ways offensively. I do worry about defense and personality stuff. You know, at some point though, even as much as I've dismissed the notion um, on Twitter, sometimes just because people keep asking me, as long as this goes, if Boogie's market just evaporates completely, there is a price point in which I would wish I would endorse it. I don't love the fit. I will say that over and over again. I don't love the fit here, and if it was up to me, I probably wouldn't sign Boogie. But. You know, for for very cheap on a on a flyer, I can't really blame the Hawks or any other team for taking him on. And obviously, the Hawks have some sort of minutes to give him in the in the front court right now. Because other than Alex Lim, there isn't a definite center on this roster. It's going to be playing big minutes. I know Bruno Fernando is around. You, you don't want to block him necessarily, but for someone like Boogie, it might be worth it. Um, so all that to say, that's something I want I wanted to at least address is because Boogie's the other name that's just out there in addition to the very low profile pieces that are, you know out there in the ether. I was on record earlier today I say my favorite fit was Noah Vonley, uh who is now unavailable, and you uh, know he, he went to Minnesota, for instance. I don't really have a perfect fit now. I, I'd say Kem Birch is probably the most likely, I guess, pairing between realistic and guys that I would actually endorse. Wouldn't pay him a lot of money, but because Orlando has him um, on, on a qualifying offer, Orlando is absolutely overflowing with big men. So if you gave him any kind of reasonable offer, I would imagine Orlando wouldn't be, be super... Um, I don't know. Super motivated to match—that's by the best way I can put that. So a lot of uh, moving parts here, and I will—I will say this: the Hawks do not have to sign a big man. It's not something that I've been saying over and over again. But in case you're a new listener today or don't follow me on Twitter, the Hawks absolutely do not have to sign a big man. If it was me, I would have liked to sign a lot of these guys that have gone on the market, off the market in the last couple of days, to bargain contracts, whether it be uh, Kevon Looney or or Vonley or Callie Stein or any of these guys could have probably given them more money than they actually got. With that said. I understand the lack of urgency, and if the Hawks just roll it over into the season with this current crop of big men, or maybe spend a minimum very late in the process on a big man, just kind of as a flyer, I would I would not blame them for that. I understand it. I also wouldn't be completely averse to signing a player at a different position. The only caveat being that I, you know, the only thing that I wouldn't sign is a point guard that probably can't play with Trey Young to any real money. If it's a minimum guy and you want to cut Jalen Adams, I understand that as well. You know, other than that. A bigger investment on someone who could function alongside Trey Young would be, a, would be a good idea. Like, like Dalon Wright, for instance, would be a good um, buy a low c- candidate if he's uh, gettable from Memphis on, on a restricted contract. You know, they're, they're not a lot of just obvious names, though. There are some wings you could talk me into, certainly. The Hawks don't, again, the Hawks don't need a wing, but, you know, and this at this point for agency, you're looking for value more than anything else. And the Hawks do ever open a roster spot. They currently have 14 guys with Jalen Adams, but it could be 13 if you parted ways with him. So there's some flexibility to be had. You could also still use the, uh, Available capital and the Hawks have about 14 million in cash space. Could be 15 million if they parted ways with Jalen Adams. And uh, you could still use it on the trade market. You could, you could acquire someone like Sean Livingston, has been a popular notion is probably going to be he's probably going re- to re- be retiring Slink has the relationship with golden State you could take him on for a small asset in return and just cut him and you'd be paying him two million dollars to go away but something that golden State could probably cover in uh, a monetary settlement somewhere along the way there you could also acquire a player that's currently under contract that's already useful for you it doesn't have to be a free agent it's tough to project that because trades are always an available option but just much harder to actually project and talk about in advance without without, without some real reporting so I'm not going to theorize on guys who could be available but Certainly, there are other ways to use free agency to, to use. Um, I should say the other ways to use salary cap flexibility other than free agency, which is always important to note. So the Hawks have a bunch of money. They are they're either second or third, I believe, now in the available resources. There are the teams that are still waiting on Kawhi Leonard, for instance. But other than that, the Hawks are sort of the next team down that's still sort of in this asset accumulation mode. that They could kind of do anything with, with their space with, the, with their space at this point in time. And honestly, there isn't a single player on the market that realistically the Hawks could probably attack that'd be worth all the money that they have on the market right now. Obviously, if they want to go get Kawhi, that's another issue. But in terms of guys who realistically could sign in Atlanta, there really isn't a player that would be a perfect use of all of their cast space. So the Hawks can be creative. They also have the room exception. If they wanted to use all of their um, cast space on a, on a salary depth or something like, something like that, they could still use the, the room exception um, to add another player and, and of course minimum contracts as well. So plenty of uh, options, nothing concrete at this point in time. I do understand in some ways the frustration of the fan base that the Hawks have been quiet because all the uh, the flurry of moves that happened on Sunday and Monday, Hawks fans just feel left out, I think, because I got a lot of tweets over about a couple of day period just talking about how they were frustrated with the Hawks not doing anything. I understand some of that. I will say, though, it was always expected based on Travis Schlenk's public comments and just the logic of where the Hawks are in the rebuild that they were going to come out of the gate slow. None of this is surprising. I do think that things move faster than I thought they were going to on the market overall, especially with guys um, that were cheaper on the big market. Just all, all, Basically, all of them, or almost all of them, be off the market by, June, by, by July 2nd. It's pretty surprising in some ways, but they don't have to spend the cap space. They do not have to spend the cap space. I'll keep saying that over and over again. Last year, the Kings rolled it over and managed to extract assets by being the only team that had double-digit cap space as the season began. So that's an option that could roll with the current roster as is and be totally functional in an NBA setting. They could also sign someone to a minimum contract, like Vince Carter, for instance. That's another option that's still out there. If the Hawks just wanted to bring somebody in on a minimum, keep their cap space dry, um, and that'd be totally understandable as well. So lots of different options here. The only real value in um, signing guys now is if you, if you think they're uh, positive values. And you know, listen, if the Hawks don't had that um, plan moving forward, if they want to just keep the powder dry. I understand that totally at this point in time. It is frustrating sometimes when you see guys like Looney or Vonley sign for less than you would have paid them, um, at least if you're the Hawks. Uh, you know. If I'm, in my opinion, if I'm in charge, I would have liked to sign... Novant went to three million dollar contract. and He signed for two million dollars, for instance. That kind of stuff can be frustrating, and I totally understand that from a Hawks perspective, from a fan perspective, perspective anyway. But for the most part, I'm okay taking things low. I've been that way the entire time, and uh, even in the um, off the offhanded stuff that p- of, of guys signing for cheap, it's okay to be. I guess cautious and try to be unearthing some value on the market right now. So with all that said, it's gonna be it's it's been very quiet. It is now Tuesday Tuesday evening. It's only July second. That's important to keep in mind too. A lot of times for agency stuff is still happening into mid and late July. The Hawks have uh, even under Travis Slank's leadership have not been making uh, huge moves all the time early in July. And you know you can still be signing for agents in after summer leagues, and that's two weeks from now. So. No rush, and uh, all that to say, I understand all the flurry stuff can be just distracting and frustrating in some de- to some degree. But the Hawks are doing just fine, and uh, they're just, they're in good shape as summer league approaches. So, with that said, that'll be t- that'll be it for today's podcast. If the Hawks don't sign anyone, if the Hawks don't sign anyone or are not linked to anyone between now and uh, the holiday, there's the July Fourth holiday coming up on Thursday. If none of that stuff happens, we might just roll this into summer league, and we'll talk about the next podcast when it comes. If the Hawks make a signing, I will react to it as soon as possible. I will be traveling on Thursday out to Las Vegas, so that might be a little bit uh, dicey in some ways, but I will be able to respond in short order if the Hawks do make a signing. But if, if it's all quiet between now and Thursday, Friday, I probably will not come back until Friday or Saturday with the next podcast, so please be aware of that. Please subscribe to this podcast via the platform of your choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Himalaya app, all those places, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Please tell a friend if they're a Hawks fan and have not found the podcast just yet, please encourage them to check us out. I really, really appreciate the word of mouth and it's been a really nice summer for the podcast. I really appreciate all the growth and uh, that's all about you guys. So thank you for tuning in as always. So that'll do it for today. And uh, if nothing else happens, we'll see you in a couple days. Enjoy July 4th, if if that's the case. And if nothing else, um, lock it in here because we'll be here throughout the summer with all your Hawks coverage. So stay tuned.